This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by Tower Electronics. For connectors, cables, and more, call 920-435-2973 or visit pl-259.com. And by ICOM. Heard it? Worked it? Logged it. Visit www.icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information about ICOM radios. It's Ham Radio. everyone it's time for ham talk live episode number 253 amsat satellite engineering update recorded live on thursday april 1st 2021 i'm your host neil rapp wb9 vpg thanks for tuning in to this episode of ham talk live tonight we're joined by jerry buxton in zero jy and we'll take your calls live later on in the show last week rob zargis uh k2mz was here to talk about the long island cw club youth program if you missed that show you can listen anytime at hamtalklive.com or on your favorite podcast app or on youtube or you can catch the rebroadcast of Ham Talk Live Saturday afternoons on WTWW. That's uh, 5085 AM. Again, that's Saturday afternoons, about 3.30 PM Eastern Time. And uh, thanks to everyone who participated in the last man standing special event this past week. Uh, made about 1,100 QSOs uh, with uh, KA6LMS slash 9 and K6M. And, um, so far it looks like the totals are up around 85,000 turned in so far with more logs coming. So, uh, hang on for those certificates. It's going to be a while. We got to process or Lou and Sally have to process, I should say, all of that data, uh, that we turned in for, uh, as operators. And, uh, so it's going to be a few weeks here before the certificates are ready but uh they will be on there rest assured so uh thanks to everybody who uh gave me a call and and at the other stations and uh we had a had a really good time although boy those pileups were thick um all right well get your questions ready to go for jerry Uh, we're talking satellites tonight if you're listening to us live on thursday night you can give us a call after the interview by telephone And we'll give out the number several times throughout the night. I'll go ahead and give it to you now so you can have it ready. It's 859-982-7373. Again, 859-982-7373. Or you can tweet us at HamTalkLive. And if you're on Spreaker, you can type in the comments and we'll see that. And uh, we want to hear from you tonight, so I'll be back with Jerry right after this word from our brand new sponsor, QRM Labs, right here on Ham Talk Live. (laughs) 
Hello again, it's Willie Mays from QRM Labs to help make your ham radio life better. In these challenging times, now more than ever, we're all in this together. So here at QRM Labs, we created a new product just for you to protect you from the novel coronavirus that passes through the ionosphere, especially during those explosive coronal mass ejections and into your radio. Hand sanitizer might be great for your hands, but to protect you from viruses that pass through your radio, you need ham sanitizer. Just put some ham sanitizer anywhere you come into contact with your radio to break down those nasty viruses. The higher the frequency, the faster those viruses travel. Don't forget the first half of your handheld is hand. And until radio manufacturers start making gloves, you'll need to sanitize your HTs too. What your DSP can't filter out, ham sanitizer can. Ham sanitizer is also compatible with all digital modes and is known to work very, very quickly with FT8. But wait, there's more! Not only does ham sanitizer keep your radios virus-free, it also automatically skips past a few certain 75-meter frequencies. Spray it on, and once you hear it identify itself audibly 10 minutes later, you're ready for your next socially distant QSO. If you aren't using Vox, you should be using Ham Sanitizer. Order yours today. To order four ounces of Ham Sanitizer from QRM Labs for just $49.73, call 760-706-7425. That's 760-706-7425. Call now. 760-706-7425. Offer void everywhere. If a rash persists for more than four hours, consult your physician. Oh, yes, it's April 1st. <laughs> QRM Labs is back again. All right, well, seriously, this time I'll be back with Jerry right after this word from Tower Electronics right here on Ham Talk Live. Jerry, what's up, man? I haven't seen you at Sunbucks in a while. I used to see you every morning getting coffee. What's up? Well, I can't afford Sunbucks five days a week anymore. I had to spend my money on PL259s. You know, those antenna projects I've been meaning to do. I had to do them before my HOA finds out I have antennas. That's too bad, Jerry. I miss seeing you and catching up over coffee. You should get your PL259s from Tower Electronics. They have great stuff. Jerry, you're back. Oh, QRM Heterodyne Frappuccino. That's a good choice. How's it going? Did you get all those antennas up before the HOA police showed up? Yeah, I got them all done. Thanks for telling me about Tower Electronics. Now I can have my coffee. I just saved a bunch of money on my PL259s by switching to Tower Electronics. Don't get caught without PL259s. Visit Tower Electronics online at pl-259.com or at a ham fest near you. Or give them a call at 920-435-2973. And be sure to pick up some power poles, adapters, and cables, too. Sorry for the delay. Your host, Neil Rapp, is reading a book on anti-gravity. 
and he just can't put it down. Now, here's more Ham Talk Live. Welcome back to Ham Talk Live. Thanks to Scott and Jill at Tower Electronics for sponsoring the show every week. They will be at Sandwich, Illinois at the Ham Fest there, May 2nd. And then coming up uh, in summertime, we have Newberry, Michigan and Monroe, Michigan. But you can visit them anytime at pl-259.com. So welcome back to Ham Talk Live. Tonight, Jerry Buxton, N0JY, joins us on the Orlando Amateur Radio Club and Hamcation Zoom line. Uh, Jerry's been a ham since 1972, and uh, he enjoys giving to the community by sharing his God-given talents to help build ham satellites and help our communities in disaster response. Jerry says there's more things to do in amateur radio than he could ever get done, but uh, he bounces around between satellites, HF, CW, voice, and digital modes. Um, he operates his HK5JY from Columbia when uh, visiting his wife's family, uh, along with his XYL, KD5FCQ, and Jerry's the vice president of AMSAT North America, in charge of engineering, and is the Texas District 4 radio officer for RACES, and and Jerry, uh, it's great to have you back. It's been way too long. Hello, Neil. It's good to be back. I, in looking back at the last time I was here, I didn't realize it was that long ago. It was back uh, three three years ago, wasn't it? So it's good yeah, to be here. I believe it was. Well, there's been a lot happened since three years ago <laughs> and, uh, there's been a lot happening recently. And so, um, uh, for some of those people who may not be aware of, you know, some of the satellite happenings uh, in the past year or so, uh, let's talk a little bit about um, some of the recent launches and, and some of the things that uh, you've learned from uh, launching these satellites. Sure thing. Uh, I guess we could go right back to 2018 and, and catch up from there and uh since then, we did have uh, AO95 was launched in December of 2018. That was Fox 1 Cliff. It was on uh, a Falcon 9 rocket on the SSOA mission that Spaceflight put together. And then we had Fox 1E Radifex Sat 2, AO109 currently up, that was launched just uh, in January of this year. All right. Have- and so, oh, go ahead. Oh, that's all right. Uh, you mentioned uh, what has been learned from those, and, and as anybody who's familiar following uh, with the satellites, what we do, uh, AO95 experienced a problem right from the get-go that uh, it was basically, to put it the easiest way, it's deaf. So we were unable to uh, get any commands through or to be able to do anything to activate the satellite. And unfortunately, that includes... Uh, turning the beacon on for for uh, more different data, more and different data. So it, through all that, we tried several different techniques and all sorts of power levels, and it, it appears that that's just going to be the way that is until perhaps something shakes loose from 
you know, being old age in orbit, who knows what might happen. The uh, Yeah, you could have another AO7 on your hands. and <laughs> You know what? That would be cool. The, the, the trick is these days that none of the orbits, uh, with the exception of AO85, actually, was up high enough that it could last o- over a decade. But most of the satellites these days, even, even the LEO rocket launches that we get on, are only going to be up there maybe five years or so. So it would take uh, take a pretty quick turnaround to get them working, but you never know what might happen. The The thing with AO95 is that it, it does still provide us with a uh, very good set of data from the telemetry because it is giving us good indications of what the environment and what the satellite, the Fox 1 type satellite is like when it's uh, not being used. The transponder, of course, gets heavy use, which is what what they're uh, for and what everybody likes them for. But with the the lack of that and just the transmitted beacon every two minutes, uh, especially the batteries, which if you look back to the previous ones, I'll talk about in just a little bit, but that, that helps us get some data on what the battery life is like in the different conditions. And the, the baseline cause for that that we have best determine is that there was a component probably in the receiver. Uh, the receiver and transmitter are separate PC boards in the satellite. And uh, likely it appears that perhaps something in the front end of the receiver uh, had a solder problem, solder connection problem. So... It uh, came loose or became a bad connection, and that's what causes the deafness. There's there's really not any other device that we can say that would cause it to be that deaf, any other path. So uh, the things go un- undergo quite a bit of quite a bit of shaking when they go into orbit, and of course we test them for that prior to it. But uh, it is it's much beyond what your uh, typical ham radio experiences or is usually you know tested for even for that matter. So. There are, you can't just run up there and grab it and bring it back and fix it and put it back. You know, it's 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 not like a trip to the repeater site. That's the truth. It is, yeah. Even a remote repeater site, you can eventually get there, right? So it is. That's that's the most uh, uh, confounding part to deal with, I guess, is that it's all done in the dark, if you will, and. Uh, we did have early on, Bob Davis, our mechanical engineer, was the first one to step up and say that if we ever did have a problem, he wouldn't mind volunteering to make the trip if we could do it. So, uh, <laughs> But that's a little bit out of our budget, I think. So, Yeah, probably so. Probably so. Well, it, you know, it was disappointing because I, I use, you know, a lot of the FM satellites and the LEO satellites, and uh, I have some equipment now to start. Uh, allowing me to get on linears and uh, i'll be starting to, to work on that soon as soon as the move takes place but uh now that i've got a, a, actually two rigs that'll do it uh when two weeks ago i had none so uh i'm, I'm looking forward to that but i was really hoping you know that uh these new ones would the transponders would be working because the the FM Leos are just overwhelmed sometimes with the amount of traffic that's on them. But you know what you're talking about here is is that you can still get something out of this, even though yeah we're all disappointed that the transponder is not working. We can't talk through it. Um, 
you're going to be able to use this data to improve on things um, in the future. It's not all lost cause. No, it's definitely not. I un- I completely understand. We completely understand that the the fact that the transponder isn't there is is a big loss, and that's something that uh, is is very evident. It's it's part of the fun also when to hear people using it, especially the first contacts or something. That's what I always say. That's my paycheck when somebody, or especially a kid, says, "Hey, I just talked to somebody through a satellite," you know, and but. For, for our point of view, yeah, we, we're not sitting idle going, well, that didn't work. Let's do something else. We're taking all that stuff with us. It is hard to quantify to the, you know, in a mass way because it is a lot of data and a lot of discussion that is ongoing, actually, as we, as we engage it in different types of projects. But, so that one is, uh, well, at least we've got something going with that, that that, like I said, will go help back with the battery situation. And AO109 then, the most recent one, uh, of course, double disappointment for for transponder fan or yeah repeater fans, transponder fans in this case. The transponder is working; it's very weak, and we're we've been obviously been a couple months just working all sorts of angles to understand what's going on and to try to command it or be able to put it in a state where we could either get some telemetry to understand more or get it in a state where we can say, okay, this is this is what we've got, go for it. And that weak transponder may likely be what that's going to be. But until, as far as I can hold out, so to speak, against the operations guys, until we have tried a lot of things so that we can help understand what is wrong with it, and uh, we're about run, out of, about run out of ideas, it appears that we... The, the most likely cause is that the IHU, which is the computer, the MCU that runs the, the whole system, it is not operating or it is uh, degraded quite a bit. Uh, the IHU, when the spacecraft is first uh, deployed from the launcher, it start, it turns on and it starts a timer that is required by uh, the launch vehicles providers for to make sure that you're far enough away from the, the uh launch vehicle before you start deploying antennas and such like that and transmitting. So the IHU, it appears, did not survive or did not operate for the entire 50-minute countdown and that uh, the antennas did not deploy. Now, we can't prove that, but that would be a good reason for the weak signal on the transponder. And the fact that the transponder is there is also an indication the way the operation appears to be that the IHU is not operating because the failover, uh, in case of the IHU failure, and this was true on all the Foxes, and uh, will into golf too, is that if the IHU can't control things and do the different modes and the telemetry and such like that, the transponder will just operate on its own. So that's what it appears to be doing. We would like to be able to recover the IHU to, to the extent we can if we can manage to get it to... Uh, release the antennas. If it has gone through the full 50-minute cycle, then it should be able to cut the antennas loose. And, and it does seem to be that it made, might have made it that far because the transponder's working. But uh, it, I guess you get the picture, maybe, that it's kind of just speculating, even as, even as I think it out here. Sure. The, sure. the, well, the, the telemetry is a key factor because this is one of our partnerships with Vanderbilt University, and actually they 
wrote and submitted the CSLI for this launch, so they have a, uh, a mission of their radiation detection uh, experiments on board and uh, different components that flew on the earlier Fox ones as they, as they look at different uh, components in the radiation uh, levels in, in LEO. So it would be nice if we could get at least some of the uh, telemetry and some of the science for them. So that is also a reason that we're working hard to try to keep it going rather than just saying, okay, we'll just go with the, you know, the weak transponder and everybody will be happy because not quite everybody would be happy with that. But we learned, <laughs> we're taking a lot away with this. We've already had discussions about how, you know, what we're going to do with that in golf because we are in, you know, of course, in the course of constructing golf tee. So we want to take those, uh, opportunities to make make those changes and, and take things into account uh, as soon as we can rather than thinking about them later well let's talk about uh some of the the lessons that uh you know c- could be uh helpful in the future by looking back at uh a little bit in the past so you know it was kind of a perfect storm. These new satellites aren't repeating and, and operating, you know, as far as our, our radio transmissions are concerned and the way we'd like. And then all of a sudden, 91 and 92 are both having battery issues and, and, and 85. And so talk a little bit about, uh, AO 85 and 91 and 92 and, and what's happened and how maybe this, this telemetry from 95 and 109 can actually help with that problem in the future. Yeah. The, uh, especially AO 95, because uh, 109 doesn't actually even have any telemetry, although it does work on the very same uh, bus that, that the previous ones did, so with the same batteries. AO85, uh, first of all, all the Fox satellites, when they were initially designed, the initial design was made back in around 2009-2010. The batteries that were chosen for them were NICAD, and the NICAD were chosen because at that time they were the most... Uh, space proven of battery cells that that are easily available consumer available if you will and uh and small enough to fit into a cubesat so the cells that were chosen though by the time everything was developed they were actually out of production uh, either at that time or very shortly after as the industry was switching consumer wise to different uh, battery chemistries and so that stock was the, the uh, capacity of those batteries was degrading as they sat on the shelf. Even though they have a fairly long shelf life, you know, the capacity, the ability to hold that charge and uh, the, the current, the output as long as they can, diminishes. So it really came about to when we were ready to get the batteries for the Fox satellites, which was after I had become BPE, uh, the Batteries America, Everett uh, Yost put them together for us, the match sets, he found that the uh, KR1400, which is versus the 1700, which we had originally planned, had more capacity left in them because they were a little bit newer, and that's what we went with. Nonetheless, they were all, as I said, outdated. And then you wind up also sitting around for some years waiting for the launch. Now, that can be uh, 
mitigated or dealt with to an extent if, with proper care and conditioning of the batteries. Unfortunately, the Fox 1 design, and uh, you have to bear in mind that with Fox 1A, as soon as that was in the works or completed, the rest of the Foxes started having to be built. There was no time in between like we had hoped to have to where we could learn from the first one because the demand was so high. The, the ability to carry the experiments, the easy sat FM transponder or uh, repeater and all, that was just something that uh, uh, had the opportunity both, uh, you know, to get launches and such like that, to get them to space. Launch delays aside, we can't, we can't really speak to those. But we didn't have a, a way to condition the batteries. We didn't have the type of connection to be able to do anything through that other than to keep them charged. And it was never intended, uh, as I said, to be doing that for years, essentially. So they were somewhat degraded when they when they made it to orbit. Uh, the other thing that is a major player is the, the, uh, um, the design, uh, depth of discharge, the amount of power that you take out of them during a uh, given orbit in this case. And that exceeded the 20%, which is preferred for those batteries, because we had engineered into it as much as we could as far as running experiments and doing the transponder and, and data mode pictures and such like that. So the, the power budget was really a lot higher than would have been proper to try to keep it at the 20%. The 20%, though, might have led to things such as a... Uh, scheduled operation, kind of like AO27, though I'm not that uh, that brief, I guess you'd say, but uh, so that might have been something that would have been, yeah, not not agreed to by some people as well. But they, they went with what they had. We had the experiments to go with them, and that excessive use of the power, if you will, just wore them out faster, essentially. AO85 also had the added fun of being launched in an orbit that wound up with it being in full sun a lot of time. And that brought the internal temperatures up to 50, 60 degrees Celsius or so, even even maybe a little bit more. And that was way more than was originally uh, determined to be what the case would be for the thermal environment when they were being built. So it was built to try to keep itself warm and it wound up being warmer and therefore kept itself even warmer, if you will, on that. When you charge and discharge, especially charge the NICAD up around 60C, then you're you're damaging them as you do it. So there's no way to turn that off in orbit, of course. When it's in the sun, it's going to charge. So it uh, there were several factors that just led up to the reason that they expired early. And w w whether, you know, how, how you determine what's early, well, they expire before, you know, the before the uh, orbit decayed, which would obviously be what uh, what we would ultimately shoot for. And the requirements did say designed for five years on orbit, and they didn't last five years. So um, in that in, in, in that uh, view, then, then yes, they failed to meet the mission. But being the first CubeSat ever built and being the conditions that those ran through to get there, yes, they, did, uh, they didn't meet the expectations, but they also, as I said, brought lots of opportunity to learn about that and that's another major thing going into golf. Like I said, the Foxes couldn't change because it was too late. The design was set. They were already being submitted for CSLIs and such like that. So you have to go with what you have. 
and learn from that and take it to the future stuff. And of course, we're going to go to uh, lithium ion in the in the Gulf because that now has been proven to be something that is also worthy of being able to provide several years of use on orbit. Battery technology in the advent of the cell phone has changed exponentially. And, um, you know, lithium ion, I, I, I teach about this in chemistry, you know, uh, lithium is all the way up there, you know, on the end of the electro, uh, electromotive series. And it's like, that's got some serious safety concerns. And uh, the engineering that went into making these lithium-ion batteries safe to use, um, except for a few laptops here and there that catch on fire, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's worked pretty well. Uh, it, it, the, the changes have just been so rapid in that. It's true, and, and that's, that's something that I hadn't even thought of. But you, you look at the decade or so that it's been since the Foxes started, and in terms of technology, that can be a lot of change. So the fact that the things became outdated that quickly, we saw it with components. When we built the, the secured the components for the Foxes, they became defunct. And that's one of the reasons we didn't build the Fox 1s anymore, because we would have had to redesign a lot of the systems inside. You couldn't get those components anymore, as well as the batteries. So it's, uh, it's an interesting combination in that. And one other thing to... Add to that, even with your lithium in the Gulf, you still have a narrow range of discharge, depth of discharge that you want to keep within and in order to make sure that you get the longest life out of the battery. So that's always something that you have to be careful with, and that, that makes a, a, can make a tricky dividing line for ham satellites because we like to get every bit of performance out of them that we can, but it's uh, walking a fine line if you're trying to push it too much. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take a break here. Uh, we're going to come back. We may talk a little uh, golf tea here and uh, kind of look into the future a little bit. And we'll take your phone calls and your tweets and everything uh, right after this word from ICOM America right here on Ham Talk Live. The great outdoors is calling. Get outside and under the stars with one of ICOM's ultimate SDR transceivers. Stay connected while off the grid. The IC705 is the perfect transceiver for hams who enjoy both the great indoors and outdoors. It's the perfect QRP companion. This base station has features and functionality at the tip of your fingers in a portable package covering HF 6 meters, 2 meters, 70 centimeters, and just under two pounds. It has a 4.3 inch color touchscreen with live band scope and waterfall, five watts with a battery, 10 watts with a power supply. It runs AM, FM, CW, sideband, full D star functions, and has integrated GPS, micro USB connector, Bluetooth, wireless LAN, and micro SD card slot, and the speaker mic comes standard. The perfect accessory for the IC705 is the optional backpack with a special compartment for your 705 and room for accessories. Visit the IC705. C705 webpage to view those accessories and free software available for download. Or create your own band opening with the IC9700. This transceiver brings direct sampling to the UHF VHF weak signal world. This all mode transceiver is loaded with innovative features that are sure to keep you busy. With a 4.3 inch color touchscreen with real time spectrum scope and waterfall, smooth satellite operation with 99 satellite channels, dual watch operation, and full duplex operation in satellite. 
Flight Mode visually sees the VHF UHF world with ICOM's IC9700. Heard it, worked it, logged it. ICOM's IC7300 is a high-performance, innovative HF transceiver with a compact design that will far exceed your expectations. This innovative HF transceiver digitizes RF before various receiver stages to reduce the generated inherent noise in different IF stages. The IC7300 is the radio that changed the way entry-level HF is designed. With RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, a large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope and sd memory card slot the real hf fun starts here visit icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information on icom radios nominations are now open for the amateur radio newsline bill pasternak wa6itf young ham of the year award i'm don wilbanks ae5dw since 1986 we've had the honor of celebrating the accomplishments of youth and ham radio and we want to know about your exceptional young ham You'll find the rules and a nominating form by clicking the YHOTY tab on arnewsline.org. Fill it out, send it in, and we'll see you and an amazing young ham at the Huntsville, Alabama Ham Fest in August. Thanks, and 73 from Amateur Radio Newsline. Join the conversation. Give us a call at 859-982-7373. Again, the number to call is 859-982-7373. Or, if you'd rather type than talk, tweet us at Ham Talk Live. Now, here's Neil Rapp with more Ham Talk Live. Ham Talk Live with Neil Rapp. Welcome back to Ham Talk Live. Thanks to ICOM America for sponsoring the show. Make sure you check out all their cool rigs at uh, icomamerica.com slash amateur. Ham Talk Live is on the air every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here at hamtalklive.com. And be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you enjoyed the uh, ham sanitizer, uh, if you check the Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, you'll see a picture of the ham sanitizer. So... There you go. Well, yes, it's time once again, before we get back to Jerry, uh, for the Ham Radio Joke of the Week within 9 GSU. Now it's time for the Ham Talk Live Ham Radio Joke of the Week, the part of the show where Rick tells us a ham radio joke. The Ham Talk Live Ham Radio Joke of the Week is brought to you by QRM Labs. Now, here's Rick Garrett in 9 GSU with today's Ham Talk Live Joke of the Week. In honor of tonight's AMSAT edition of Ham Talk Live, here's a little poem I wrote. Starlight, star bright, first star I've seen tonight. I wish I may, I wish I might, make contact through that satellite. This has been the Ham Talk Live Ham Radio Joke of the Week with Rick Garrett in 9GSU. Tune in again next week for another joke from Rick. Well, there you go, Jerry. Have you had any AMSAT uh, poems before? I've had some that maybe I shouldn't repeat here, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's uh, yeah, there, there's some discussion that goes on when something doesn't work quite right the first time that's just, 
Yeah, good thing that it's not recorded. But you're the, not recorded. <laughs> I like I like that poem though because it was it makes me think of two things. One, the kids that get involved with it, and two, also the the uh, the guys. And when I say guys, I mean guys, gals, everybody uh, who like to try to work. Say uh, you know, especially AO seven, you know, to work Europe or such like that, where it's just kind of a skim in the uh, horizon or something. I wish I may. I wish I might. And then nobody's there that night. <laughs> well, thank you, Rick, for that. And uh, on last minute notice here uh, with the uh, AMSAT theme. So, so thanks for that. All right. Well, it's time for your calls now. So if you want to give us a call, now's the time to do it. It's 859-982-982. 7373. I'll give that number again uh, here in just a second. Uh, you can also tweet us. It's at Ham Talk Live over on Twitter. And if you're listening to us on WTWW or on the podcast edition of the show, um, you're not going to get anybody to answer the phone because we're not here. Um, it's Thursday night right now. So, uh, again, give us a call at 859 982 73. 73 and we'll uh we'll check uh the messages here and see what we have and uh let's talk a little bit about uh about golf tea so you've got uh, you know the next generation of of satellites coming in and so let's talk a little bit about the the future launches golf tea is uh, the whole golf series is a 3U satellite. So the, in terms of CubeSats, uh, 1U, that's the first ones that we built uh, with the Fox 1. And those are the smallest, basically. Uh, 1U being about 10 centimeters uh, cubed. And the Golf T goes into 3, which is basically one or three 1U stacked up. So with the Knowledge that we got with the first ones, the Fox ones, and, and the fact that there was more than one, even though we could not make changes to them as we went along, we were able to make uh, considerations for, for the next. And, and a lot of that can be incorporated into going to the 3U, because the 3U allows us more volume to be able to put more uh, experiments, more radios, and such like that, as well as uh, some bigger solar panels, and provide more power more room for batteries and such. Although it's really not a big leap as far as how big as you might, you might think it is. It's, you know, it's uh, about the size of a shoebox maybe or something, you know? And uh, so we take that and what we've gone with is the golf series is the intention to continue this learning and to be able to build on what we know and to build newer technology with it that will help us to learn and be able to uh, master as well as build in-house to the extent we can to save money because that's the way they always do that. The type of uh, technology that's going to be needed to return to HEO. And HEO, of course, is the highly elliptical orbit that uh, AO10, AO13, AO40, if you're familiar with them, where your apogee is up around 40,000 kilometers or so perhaps, and a perigee of uh, somewhere around 600 maybe kilometers. So it's up high in the sky uh, for several hours per day and provides 
a hemisphere of communications that way. It's in a much harsher environment and things are just a lot more, they're hotter, they're colder, they're a lot more radiation and all sorts of uh, things that there's nothing near what's in, in the low Earth orbit. So the golf program and golf tee is the initial kickoff to be able to develop things that we'll need like attitude control systems as well as the uh, solar panels, the deployable in order to get more more power into it and SDR radio, uh, radios that are interested in, in being flown. They're, they're very power hungry, but they can provide a lot of modes that can be switched uh, you know, through programming and such. So those have a benefit, as well as taking us to microwave. Microwave, the benefit there is wider bandwidth, as well as smaller antennas. And smaller antennas, as you can imagine with a CubeSat, are important because if you tried to put uh, an arrow antenna on a 3U CubeSat, you could put about three three U CubeSats together and just barely make the length of the arrow. So it's uh, the microwave antennas then can be pointed and have a lot more gain back to Earth. And so Golf T is the first of those to do that and to uh, break the ground with the attitude, determination, and control, the solar panels, SDR, high-speed, higher-speed uh, telemetry and such through the uh, 10 gigahertz downlink SDR. And uh, Golf 1 then. And, the, and successive gulfs intended to go to higher orbits to be able to learn to deal with radiation. Uh, one, oh, yeah, one I forgot was the RT-IHU, radiation-tolerant IHU, that will be flying on Golf T that was developed by a group in our Ascent Skunk Works. And that, that's intended to be able to be a commercial off-the-shelf type of uh, IHU that will deal with radiation upsets uh, better than what we have on the Fox 1 series satellites. Uh, with the Fox 1, if we had an upset, we essentially just rebooted and started over. It was fairly simple program, and there was not a lot of critical programming going on there, and hence the ability to also, if the IHU is not functioning, to, to still have a radio. But the RTIHU can offer, up to some higher altitudes, the ability to withstand the radiation better, we hope, and we want to test that. We have hit... A problem with uh, going higher, though, because as orbital debris concerns and regulations have grown uh, quite quite quickly, really, over the last uh, three or four years, it is right now, with in order to go higher than an orbit where we would free fall back and re-enter, basically within 25 years, we have to have approved devices for propulsion, for attitude control, for uh, re-entry and such in order to get a license, in order to get launched. And that just puts a big, you know, puts a big stop, a doorstop in the uh, ability to build our own for that. Uh, so we, we're looking at the possibilities of finding commercial alternatives for that, we're also working with and following uh, some of the uh, enterprises that are creating things. Not much has been created for, for CubeSats so far, because most CubeSats are happy with being in, in a low, low Earth orbit. Nobody is, uh, other than perhaps government and such, or things that are uh, otherwise funded, nobody else is interested in going that much higher. So we're, we're stuck trying to look for a cheap way to get higher or to be able to 
raise the money to get what is necessary to go higher. So until we overcome that, Golf 1 will probably wind up in Leo as well. Originally, we were looking at going up to 1,200 kilometers or so to be able to be up there with AO7 and FO29 as uh, just, you know, to complement what is up there and uh, perhaps last a lot longer, up to the 25 years at least, that the orbit is allowed at this point in time. There's a lot of There's work There's just so much stuff up there in the skies these days that, that it's, you know, it, it becomes an issue when you've got stuff, you know, flying through there and, you know, you've got uh, starships coming through and <laughs> everything else. And it, it's, uh, it's a lot to keep track of and, and there's not a real good way to clean it up. It's true. It is something that was, well, I think it kind of goes along with the uh, sudden availability of, of cheap ways to get to orbit, if you will. You know, we MSAT started out as being ballast on, on test rockets and such like that to find cheap launches, and we got some great satellites up there that way. And as, as that became more uh, commercial, whereas now the uh, launch companies, they can basically say, and this is just kind of an MSRP, but they can basically say, well, you know, if you want to fly um, to a low Earth orbit, fly, fly a kilogram up there, then that'll be 100000 bucks. So when there's money to be made by it, it's a little bit different. That means they also provide more launch opportunities and more opportunities for small satellites, if you will, to be able to get to orbit. It created a lot more stuff in orbit that wasn't... Uh, perhaps considered that it would last there a lot longer than the actual mission for the satellite. And now they're, they're trying to dial that back yeah. down with right. the lower, lower orbits to start with, which suits a lot of it because they're, they're wanting to do a mission of some months or maybe a year. And so if they uh, re-enter in year and a half, two years, that that's fine with them. And it's good for getting rid of the orbital debris, if you will. But, but we, of course, yeah. are bucking the trend on that. We want to go the other way, and that, and that's, uh, <laughs> that raises a few eyebrows yeah. in the first place. Like, why the heck would you want to do that anyway? Right, right. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is totally off script and totally, uh, totally out there, but uh, is, is there any chance of getting some kind of an arrangement like QO100 where you're on a big you know, telecom satellite and kind of ride along. Well, that you can't say there's no chance. And that's something that has been pursued for years uh, by my predecessors, if you will. And even, even recently after I had become VPE with uh, Virginia tech who had a lead to an opportunity for that. So it, it was not a, a commercial telecom. That one was actually something that was a government satellite, but nonetheless, it was an opportunity. Um, the commercial ones I see as being uh, somewhat difficult because in, in the case of QL100, there were hams that were in high places that were able to help facilitate that. And in our part of the world, you know, it, it, it's a lot of, they, for one thing, they've got a lot of money invested in their satellite. So 
even back with Fox 1A when it was first launched, with that mission, I remember how painful it was or painstaking it was to be able to convince the the uh, primary payload, which was an NRO satellite, uh, that we were not going to do harm. Everybody had to be so in line with that that uh, otherwise, you know, that could be a pretty bad thing for the whole CubeSat program. So there's a lot of concern about what us amateurs or a university or such builds and puts on a rocket not being anywhere near, of course, uh, as safe and capable as that multi-million dollar satellite. And if uh, if something doesn't go right, well, they're going to be a little upset if they lose that satellite. Um, there certainly have opportunities to be able to provide power and such, and that's the great thing about it. There's two at least two things. One is you got a lot of power. Second is you don't have to do station keeping because you're riding with them. So those are great opportunities. It's it's just not quite as easy as it may seem from what QO one hundred did. Yeah. But we're still yeah. we're still talking and looking, you know. Sure, sure. Well, yeah, it it is you know, I, I'd love to to work QO one hundred at some point because I keep hearing these people and in, in the youngsters on the air programs, oh yeah, I'll just meet you on QO one hundred like it's their local repeater, you know. Whenever they want, they just get on there and it's like that that is just so foreign uh to me that uh I think it'd be a cool experience. But yeah, they they uh had a special set of circumstances and it worked. It, it's an interesting outcome as well because in looking at, as I mentioned, microwave bands and such and and, and HEO, uh, they have and are using 2.5 gigahertz and 10 gigahertz equipment and and making you know progress with kits and there is you know ways to to do that that will that will complement what we do when we put something up that is using those bands because they're they're ready for it and that just helps also to attract other people and make the equipment available cheaper generally as well as uh learning even more as you go along so it 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 all fits together nicely and i i don't think that uh qo100 is going to impact having a heo satellite because one, one thing that the heo did nicely was because the orbit was not fixed it would uh you know, every few days it would be at apogee over a different part of the earth. So over a week or two, you know, every country got the opportunity to have hemisphere-wide uh, communications for essentially, uh, you know, two, two-thirds of the hemisphere. Well, that's not right, but two-thirds of the way around the globe, depending on whether it was, you know, low to your east or low to your west. So that that's a lot of interesting coverage from a single satellite. Yeah, yeah sure is. Well, Jerry, we're, we're already over time, so I'm not going to keep you any longer. And um, we're actually going to end the show. Uh, I'm going to let the, the April Fool compilation run here from previous years. So uh, for those of you who are listening, uh, there, there's still more coming your way um, if you want to listen. Uh, but uh, we're going to wrap up the uh the discussion here tonight and i want to thank you so much for coming on and explaining uh what's happening with these satellites and you know so many of them just just kind of 
disappeared and and went away all at once it's from a from an operator standpoint uh but you know thank you for helping us understand um you know what is still going on and a lot of the activity and and learning and preparing for those future ones like uh, golf and uh we appreciate everything you do but you know i i had a lot of fun too i appreciate it and i would the three years since I was here last, it, it it goes fast. And that's something that's a different perspective from where I sit, where we sit, and that is that the uh, the three years to get to a launch is too fast a lot of times. And the three or four years or five years since the you know Fox 1A was launched is a long time. So there's a lot of interesting perspectives there. But if you want to keep talking, that's fine, because if I leave here, i got to go back to work, and I don't want to go to work. <laughs> yeah i gotta keep working on these things you know i can't stop. well i guess you could you can hang around and listen to the april fools ad so there you go thank you much no i'd like to come back and i appreciate it neil and everybody who listened and thank you yeah oh yeah we'll we'll have you back and we, we're not gonna we're not gonna make that three years we're, we're gonna do that sooner so uh, we appreciate you being here and, and talking about it. It's fascinating to uh, hear about all those space technologies and uh, AMSAT's uh, working away at it. So thank you so much, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Good evening. Thanks. All right. Well, that's a wrap for this week's Ham Talk Live. Thanks to my guest, Jerry Buxton. N0JY and everybody out there in cyberspace for listening tonight and invite you back next Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern time. And for a list of our upcoming guests, visit hamtalklive.com. And if you like the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. That helps other people find us faster. And um, like I said, we're going to run all the old April Fool's Day ads just because that's what we've been doing on April Fool's Day for a few years now. So uh, I'll let this run. And so uh, I will say good evening to you now. And uh, if you want to hang around and listen to the ads, you're more than welcome to. So for now, this is Neil Rapp, WB9VPG, saying 7 3. 7-5, and may the good DX be yours. Hi folks, Billy Hayes back again here to help all of you hams out who just can't get rid of that annoying guy who keeps making trouble. You know who I'm talking about, right? That guy named Murphy. He keeps showing up in all of your antennas, towers, rotors, and even your computer. He just keeps messing things up so they don't work like they should. Well, now thanks to the folks at As Seen on Radio, there's a solution for that. Kick Murphy out of your shack for good. It's the Murphy Repeller. Just plug it in and your worries are gone. Murphy Repeller sends out a sub-audible tone every five seconds that you can't hear, but Mr. Murphy can. He can't stand to hear it. So whenever he hears the tone, he runs away to that annoying neighbor's house across the street that raised all the fuss about your antenna at the last homeowners association meeting. It's the Murphy Repeller. Get yours today. It's available from most ham radio stores and a ham fest near you. Or call 985-655-2500. That's 985-655-2500. Order your Murphy Repeller today. Hello, Willie Mays here for Spray Away, the SWR reducer in a can. 
Are you annoyed by that pesky SWR that keeps getting in your antennas? Well, you can get rid of that in one easy step. Just spray some spray away on your antenna and the SWR disappears like magic. Use it on all your antennas. Dipoles, verticals, and even Yagi's are no match for spray away. Want that tough SWR to go away? Spray it away. But wait, there's more. Order in the next 30 seconds and you can get two cans of spray away for the price of one. And we're not stopping there. Order now and we'll throw in a can of Zap Free. Protect your antenna from lightning. Coat it in Zap Free and your worries are gone. Spray it and forget it. Lightning strikes will never bother your rig again. Here's how to order. To order Spray Away for just $19.99, call 985-655-2500. That's 985-655-2500. Call now, 985-655-2500. Hello, Willie Mays back again to help you make your ham shack better. One time or another, it's probably happened to you. You let the magic smoke out of something in your shack. Maybe it was a power supply, a radio, or a project you were building. You plug it in, and the magic smoke that makes it all work somehow escapes. Well, we have the solution just for you. It's the Magic Smoke Replacement System. Fix that favorite rig, accessory, or project by putting the magic smoke back in. The Magic Smoke Replacement System comes with 7.5 ounces of Magic Smoke, a syringe with a tiny needle, and a table to measure how much Magic Smoke you need for each part. Just fill the syringe to the right amount, inject it back in, and presto! It all works again. But wait, 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 there's there's more. more. Order in the next 30 seconds, and you can get two bottles of Magic Smoke for the price of one. To order the Magic Smoke Replacement System for just $39.73, call 985-655-2500. That's 985-655-2500. Call now, 985-655-2500. Hello, Willie Mays from QRM Labs. Back again to help you make your ham radio experience better. Are you tired of all the work of having to find sounds to use to create QRM? You hear that annoying guy on 80 meters, and you feel this uncontrollable urge to illegally jam his signal. But you don't have the right sounds to use? Well, QRM Labs has the perfect app for you. It's the Jammer Generator. Jammer Generator is an app for both iPhone and Android that has all you need to illegally transmit over the top of anyone. Just hold the phone up to the mic and tap the sound you want. There's the famous number station generator. Five, three, five, five, Some music like one of Michael Jackson's songs. The Russian Woodpecker. Just acting stupid. Pay your friggin' fine, Brian. Pay your fine, you psychopath. I'm just fine, doing what I love to do. I ain't paying no fine. I take a poo on you. Tuning the rig with your mic. 
or the classic tune-up tone. It's so good, you'll get your license taken away and fined both sooner and more often. But wait, wait there's there. more. more. Order now, and we'll add a quick tune button that will tune any radio within one square mile immediately to 7,200 kilohertz. The Jammer Generator, available for just $49.99 from the App Store. And for technical support, call 985-655-2500. That's 985-655-2500. And don't forget to speak as loudly as you can. QRM Labs looks forward to hearing your complaints. But we probably won't hear a thing because there's too much noise on the line. The Jammer Generator. Download your copy today. Willie Mays back again to help make your ham radio experience better. Maybe you have problems with your neighborhood homeowners association. Or the wife just doesn't think a huge 40-meter beam looks great in the backyard. Well, Ham Talk Systems has just what you need. It's the Invisitina. Invisitina is a three-element Yagi that is completely invisible. Just inflate the antenna, mount it, and you'll never see it again. Invisitina is available for 40 meters or a tri-bander for 20, 15, and 10. No one will ever know it's there. But, but wait, wait, there's, there's more. more. For a limited time only, order now and you can get a free Invisitower. Mount your Invisitina to your Invisitower and no one will know you have antennas at all. Not even you. To order the Invisitina with your free Invisitower for just thirty-eight twenty-three. dollars and 73 cents call 985-655-2500 that's 985-655-2500 call now 985-655-2500 and appreciate the true meaning of having a stealth antenna Mays Hayes here back again from QRM Labs for Formula 5 and 9, the rocket that creates your own band opening. Are you tired of those lousy conditions because of the solar cycle? Well, be sad no more. Make your own band opening with Formula 5 and 9. Formula 5 and 9 is a model rocket that you can launch from your backyard. Once it gets to the ionosphere, it opens up the payload doors and releases a special patented formula that ionizes the atmosphere. It works for D, E, and even F layers. Simply add the right amount of fuel for the layer of the atmosphere you want to reach. Pour the formula in the rocket, fuel it up, and launch it, launch it, launch it. Keep an eye on the band to be ionized, and within 15 minutes, presto! 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 An instant band opening. You can even get to Bouvet Island. But wait, there's more. More. Order in the next 30 seconds, and you can get a free bottle of our first product, the Magic Smoke Replacement System, and a can of Spray Away, the SWR Reducer in a Can. Here's how to order. 
To order Formula 5 and 9 from QRM Labs for just $49.73, call 760-706-7425. That's 760-706-7425. Call now, 760-706-7425. Be sure to register your launch with the FAA. Offer void where prohibited. If the band opening lasts longer than four hours, consult your physicians. QRM Labs is not responsible for accidents that may occur, not for use near North Korea. Willie Mays from QRM Labs, back again to make your life with ham radio better. Are you tired of putting together all those kits? Minutes of sorting out parts, dropping them on the floor, picking them up again, just to drop them on the floor again, and then all that soldering. Well, we have the kits for you. At QRM Labs, our new line of kits only come pre-assembled. No more putting them together. Build a tuner kit, a power supply kit, or even an HF radio kit that's pre-assembled. We put it together for you, and you save all the trouble of building it yourself. Don't believe it? Just listen to what one famed expert kit builder has to say. Hi, I'm Joe Eisenberg, K0NEB, kit building editor from CQ Magazine and frequent HamFest speaker and kit building leader. These pre-assembled kits from QRM Labs have made kit building so easy. You can build a kit without all of the hassle of stuffing the board, soldering, and figuring out all those little tiny part numbers. When I do group kit builds, these pre-assembled QRM Labs kits work so much better it takes so much less time for everyone to build and keeps me from dealing with that guy you know the guy that brings a roll of thick acid core solder and a weller soldering gun qrm labs makes kit building a great experience just plug and pray but wait there's more 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 order in the next 30 seconds and you can get two 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 pre-assembled kits for the price of one to order your pre-assembled kit call 760-706-7425 that's 760-706-7425 call now 760-706-7425 Came right back to my CQ call The readability 5 and strength 9 You never once mentioned your weather at all And I didn't mention mine We talked and talked for hours and hours I completely forgot you're a ham I don't know your power or the height of your tower Frankly, I don't give a damn for 73 to you and your family I'll be seeing you further down the log Your 73 to you and your family I'll be seeing you further down the log 